Good morning, family. I heard a bit of rumbling this morning in Centurion and thought, here comes the rain, but the rumbling has gone. <laughs> but hopefully a bit later today or later this week, we can trust the Lord for some really good rain. I want to thank everybody that's been part of our week of prayer and fasting, whether that's been having come here for some of the corporate events or lunchtime prayer, whether you've joined us online for the early morning prayers, or whether you've just followed the booklet at home or however you've done it. I think it's been a wonderful and fantastic week, and it was so great to see so many of you here. On, uh, I was here on Monday night and then partook of a lunchtime worship time also, and then a prayer morning. Also, I was away in Kempton Park for part of this week, so I couldn't do everything, but it was a, just a great time to be together. And I want to commend you as a community for drawing near to the Lord, and may it set a rhythm for us for this year as we abide with the Lord and see that lead into more fruitfulness. We normally, when it comes to the ending of the week of prayer and fasting, we do it with a time of communion. And as I was praying this week about this Sunday and just considering what to do with the message this Sunday, I really felt and sensed that I want to pause with communion today. So my message is going to be about communion. And uh, particularly want to talk about why do we do communion and what happens for us? Why is communion so important? Because in the life of any church, any community of faith, communion is a, is a very important point and a very important part of the rhythm and the habit of a community of faith. We should have communion regularly. We should have communion and focus on it and make it something that's very important in the life of every one of us and as, as a communion, a community together. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes to a local community, the Corinthians, a local church, and he talks to them about some of the do's and don'ts of communion. And uh, I wanna just highlight some of those things, but I wanna take you to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26, where Paul says the following, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to remind us today of five reasons we have communion or five things we do when we have communion. These five things are simply during communion, we remember, we rejoice, we repent, we reaffirm, and we recommit. And I'm trusting that in a sense for us as a community, these things will become part of what we build into our regular times of communion. First of all, we remember. Communion is a commemoration of sort. It is stopping to remember a very important event that happened. But it is not merely remembering something past, it is remembering something that I live in today. It is a living remembrance, a living memory. Because communion talks not only about that day, that occasion that really happened in Jerusalem where Jesus died on a cross, a horrible death, 
where he was tortured on a cross. It's not only to remember that event, it is to remember what it means for me every day of my life. And to make that a bit of a fixed point that I hold on to tightly. I want to say that it is important that we do communion regularly. Participation in the Lord's table is something that every believer should involve themselves with every now and then. I don't think there's a specific rhythm that is, that is outlined for us, but it is just something we do regularly. And I want to encourage you that whenever you know it's communion, whether it's here or where, in, in, in whatever setting, be part of communion. Communion is important. Now, as a community here, we believe in these elements as symbols. They represent something for us. There are some traditions that believe that this is the moment you partake of the bread, it becomes the body of Christ. And there are some that believe the moment you drink the cup, it becomes the blood of Christ. We don't believe that. We believe these are symbols. This bread reminds us of the body of Christ that was given. This juice, and in our case, we don't drink wine. It's just less complicated. We drink juice. And, and some might say cheaper, but I, I'm not going to go down that route. That's, that's not the reason we do it. It just has less issues around it. We, we use this grape juice to represent for us, to be a symbol for us of the, body, of the blood of Christ that was given for us. But these are powerful symbols. This is a sacrament. This means something to us. And because it means something to us, there's power in the symbols that we partake of. And so we want to appropriately do that. And it's wonderful that we have these tangible elements that we can stop at. We remember what the Lord Jesus has done for me, but I also remember what he's doing in my life right now. And that I'm alive in him. It's almost like when you celebrate your child's birthday and they're with you and you are able to have a party to celebrate their birthday. You remember the day they were born but it's a living memory. Right now, if we're celebrating their birthday, we're celebrating it with them. It's the, same, it's the same kind of sense that when we have communion. It's this living remembrance. Not only do we remember when we have communion, we also rejoice. Communion for us has an element of joy to it, even though it is something that requires dignity and there's, there's, it's solemn. Because what these elements do when we partake of them, and they, they, it's so great that they are tangible because they remind us of a real tangible death of Jesus on the cross. That when we take this bread, and I'll do it later, we break it, it speaks of the real breaking of the body of Jesus. Not a myth, not a story, but really that Jesus' body was broken. Why was his body broken and his blood poured out? It's a horrible image, isn't it? That even every time I have communion, I can't help myself but think of the terrible image of a Jesus beaten within an inch of his life. A throne uh, of, of a crown of thorns, sorry, not a throne, a crown of thorns shoved upon his head. The Bible said his, his beard was plucked from his face. He was beaten that you couldn't hardly recognize him. I can't help but think of that. And that's a terrible thing to think of and it, it's not a joyful thing to think of. 
So there is a sense of pain when we come to communion. But at the same time, a sense of celebration. You know why? Because Jesus did that so that it didn't have to happen to me. So this is the pain and the joy all mixed together. It's the pain of seeing my beloved having been treated so badly. And then the added pain of recognizing that that happened to him because of me. But then the joy of, so that that didn't have to happen to me. He died in my place. He took the punishment, the judgment that I deserved. And he took it upon himself. And so it, there is a joy to it. For us, communion, there's a celebration. Because remember, the scripture says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. When we come and have communion, that's the joy set before him. That we are now part of his family. That his sacrifice was effective. It changed our lives. So we rejoice, we celebrate. So not only do we remember, not only do we rejoice, but it's also a time where we repent. Communion should always be a moment where we pause, where we stop, where we consider our status within the Lord. Because we have to recognize that I cannot live my life with the Lord Jesus, receiving this sacrifice that is given and not let it change who I am and my behavior. I cannot just carry on doing the things I want to do. Because if that's the case, then why did he die? Then I'm making light of this sacrifice. This sacrifice was given so that I can become like Jesus. That my life can be changed. That I can be begun, begin to live a godly life. A, a life that is the righteousness of Christ that is now established within me. Now, it's important to remember that it's not whether I'm worthy or unworthy to take communion. Because we'll never be worthy to take communion. I am never worthy of this sacrifice. I'm unworthy. Because of my sin and my failure. But that's exactly why I needed this sacrifice. So I don't come saying, do I deserve it or not? I come saying, Lord, am I living consistently with what you have done? Have I allowed this to impact my life, to change me? So the life of a Christian is a life of repentance. It's a life that finds it easy to repent. To, to always want to say, Lord, am I in line with you? It's an examined life. I want my life to be examined consistently by the Holy Spirit, by the Word. And so communion becomes a point of examination where I come. And when we're going to have communion later just now, we're going to say, Lord, I'm here before you. And I, I just want to take a moment and examine that I'm in the right space. There's two types of people that shouldn't have communion. That in fact, by the scripture is told, they cannot have communion. Those two types of people are the unconverted and the unrepentant. As a community, you'll always hear us say that the communion table's open to everyone. You don't have to be a member of the church. It could be your first time here with us. You could be joining us online for the very first time. You can have communion with us. And please, I want to make sure that the online community, that you have your elements ready, that you're going to join us just now. But communion for us is open. But it is open for those who believe in the Lord Jesus. 
It is open for everyone that says, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. For those who do not believe in Jesus, who has not made a decision, has not had a conversion experience, they shouldn't have communion. Because these are powerful symbols. The Lord Jesus said in John 6 verse 56, he said, unless you eat of my body and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. Now that was a very offensive statement in the New Testament context where many of the Jews actually at that time that were starting to follow him, the scripture says they departed. They didn't want, they didn't want to follow him anymore. And even later during the life of the New Testament church, it became a point of controversy that some thought that they were cannibals because they ate the body of Christ and they drank the blood of Jesus. Now we know this is not the body of Jesus and the blood of Christ, as I said earlier. But why my conversion experience is about saying, Lord, I recognize that your body had to be broken so that I can become part of your family and that you died in my place. So when I eat of the communion element of the bread, I, I recognize the power of his body being broken. That, that I'm a sinner, that I could not have my sin washed away and forgiven without the blood of Christ. And therefore, I come in humility and I say, thank you, Jesus, that your blood has cleansed me. That I am now in your family. That's why I drink. So if that's not your testimony, if that's not what you believe, then don't partake in the communion. The second group of people that shouldn't partake in the communion are those with unrepentant hearts. Those that come in a moment of, of, of this examination and say, you know, there's stuff in my life that's going on and I'm not doing what God has called me to do. I'm not living the life that God is expecting of me to live. Now we all fail. But to see, this is the heart of a Christian is if I'm doing something and God shows to me that that's not right, whether that's through his word, through the spirit, through the community, but I become aware that I'm, I'm involved in something that's not godly, then I say, Lord, forgive me, and I want to stop doing that. Repentance is, I recognize my sin, I recognize my fault, I see that it is wrong, and I want to stop doing that, and I'm going to turn away from that and ask your Holy Spirit to change me. And we all have to do that consistently. So if I come in the morning and we say, let's get our hearts ready for communion, one of the things we do is we say, Lord, is there anything in my life where perhaps I'm not doing? And if something pops up, I need to deal with it. Now, sometimes the way I deal with it is just in that moment to say, Lord, I, I recognize that. Ask you to forgive me and help me to not continue to do that. And that's enough. And then you can have communion. But sometimes there's a bit more to it and there's sometimes actually things that you have to first go do to begin to start a journey of restoration and then you can have communion. You have to discern that. We, you, know, you don't write a test, but there's a responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about self-judgment. That if we don't judge ourselves, we are heaping up judgment for ourselves on the day of reckoning. So every time I stop and I examine and I, and I recognize something that has to be dealt with and I deal with it, it's self-judgments that saves me from any other future judgment. And I want to live in that consistently. I want to categorize 
the unrepentance that the Bible talks around communion in two things. There are two ways that we can be unrepentant. We can be defiant or we can be divisive. Defiant is, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to keep doing it in any case. I know it's not what God wants for me, but I'm going to keep on doing it. That's defiance. And if you have a defiancy in your heart towards God, don't take communion. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue to deal with you. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you His ways. Don't take communion if there's defiance against God. If you're willfully going against something that you know God does not want you to do and does not have God's favor on it, don't have communion. The second is divisiveness. In, in the context of communion, the Bible talks about how we have to be in an appropriately right relationship within our community of faith. If we have something that is between me and somebody else, that can become a problem within my communion. You see, because remember, John 4 says, 1 John 4 says, how can you say you love God but you hate your neighbor? Our faith and what Jesus came to do for us through this very real sacrifice that he paid is not only to change our relationship with him, but it is to be lived out in our relationships with each other. It changes the way I act and behave and feel and think about other people. And so again, when I come to the communion time and I, and I do that little bit of examination, I say, Holy Spirit, just speak to me. And the Holy Spirit brings to member and somebody that I have anger or bitterness or unforgiveness towards them. I shouldn't take communion until I've addressed that. Now, sometimes addressing it is, again, it can just be me saying, Lord, I'm so sorry, I forgive them, and I speak a blessing over them. I trust you, Lord, I recognize that you have forgiven me, and I didn't deserve your forgiveness. How can I expect of that person to deserve my forgiveness? I forgive them. And it can be enough and you can have communion. Or sometimes it may be that, listen, I need, rather need to withhold because I need to sort something out. I need to have a conversation. I need my heart to be changed. And the Bible says quite clearly that if there's divisiveness in your heart in terms of relationships, and, and, and let me say, that can be towards a group of people. You know, racism, sexism, any kind of position that we have where our hearts need to be changed, it may be that we say, let me just first allow the Lord to deal with these things. Because the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30, that because people aren't discerning the body, they're not examining, they're not recognizing the power of the communion, Paul writes and he says, for this reason many of you have fallen ill and have died. Now I don't want to go too far with that, but I'm just saying, this matters. It matters. It's not just something we do and it's nice. It requires a certain amount of respect and value that we bring to it. So we repent. Now we repent. We don't have to have communion to repent. But it's so good that every now and then we have a moment where we stop as communities and as Christians and we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to have communion now. Just... Just show me. And it's not a, it's not, you don't have to dig for something. You just say, Holy Spirit, show me. And most of the time you can have communion. There may be the odd occasion where the Lord says, now let, me, let, us, let us deal with this first. Is that okay? That's what the Bible says. 
So not only do we remember, not only do we rejoice, not only do we repent, but we reaffirm. In the scripture that I read earlier, he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We reaffirm that the Lord Jesus is coming back. That we're having communion now to remember what he has done, but we also remember that he will return. That he is going to take up his place of rulership for all the earth to recognize that he is the king. And we reaffirm that. So every time we have communion, it's also a proclamation, a reaffirmation of our hope of his return. And that hope is very important because right now when we, when we hear and we're in the struggle and the battle and we can forget that the victory has already been won and we reaffirm that victory. Like this wonderful song that Tia led us to sing this morning, he's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. And we reaffirm that in communion. And then the last thing is not only do we remember, not only do we rejoice, not only do we repent, or that, that we reaffirm, but we also recommit to community when we have communion. You see, ultimately, communion, Jesus served in a very intimate context. It was a very special event for him. On a very intimate moment and a vulnerable moment for him and please remember at communion he separated his disciples from one another in the sense that he he actually revealed Judas's plans in that moment it became a moment where the stuff in their little community was dealt with where he said this is going to happen he even spoke about Peter that would deny him it was very real but when we have communion together, there's power in it because it's something we do. Now, you can have communion on your own. I mean, I've had communion on my own. You can have communion as a family. You can have communion within your community group. You can have communion as friends. We, we don't have the conviction. I know in some streams and uh, 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 denominations, it's only the minister or the priest that can serve the communion. We, we don't believe that. We believe, as believers, we can share communion. There's an appropriate respect. There's an appropriate uh, way we do it. But we do it. But when we have communion like this, it's a community that stands together and says, our lives are built around this. The focus is on Jesus. The focus is on Christ. This is a community with Christ at its center. Now, I know that when we have communion, if you understand a bit of the Jewish history and a bit of the, of the Old Testament, you know, uh, how they did it and the Sabbath and the Passover, it enriches your experience of it. But can I please remind you that communion is not the Passover in a modern form. The communion is its own institution that Christ instituted for the church. It's about Christ. We're not reliving. For the Jewish community, they had things that, that was pointing towards Christ. Our communion points back towards what Jesus had done. And so even if you don't understand all the symbolism, it really enriches it. And we're going to speak about that through the book of John. And we'll get some understanding even of the symbols and, and the language of the Old Testament that enriches the New Testament understanding. But you don't, it's not reliving that. This is about Christ. 
Our community is a community built around the sacrifice of Jesus, not Old Testament traditions, celebrations. We are built around Christ. And we actually have very few sacraments for that reason. We only have two. Communion and the baptism. That we build our communities around those things. We hold those things central. And so whenever a community has it together, it becomes an equal platform where we all stand on and every person in a, communion, a community stands before Christ and say, it is by your body that was broken and your blood that was poured out that I am in right standing with God. And we're all equal in that together. It may be that somebody like me ministers the communion, but I, I'm equal with you in it. And so it is a time where we recommit to our commun community expression. And that's why the relational element, the repentance, includes that element within it. So I'm going to pray before I begin to serve the communion. And can I ask that in this moment we ask the Holy Spirit come you see because communion is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move because Jesus said it's better for you that I leave so that the paracletos the helper the Holy Spirit can come and it's the Holy Spirit that makes this more than symbolic and more than memorial doing and activity it's the Holy Spirit that makes it real for us so I'm going to trust the Lord that as we have communion together today we will have an experience with the Holy Spirit so let us pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for this moment. Thank you that you've given us these sacraments for us to remember. Thank you that we can have this moment today to pause, to come and stand around the the crucifixion of Christ. Everything is about you, Jesus. And so in this moment, we want to give you opportunity, Holy Spirit, as we come and we examine our hearts right now. And we ask you to examine our hearts. Lord, is there any defiance in us against your will and your purposes? We pray, Lord, that you will show us and that we can act in accordance with that, Lord. Deal with that. Thank you that it's easy to deal with because it's your blood that cleanses us. You wash us. Your forgiveness is perfect and permanent for us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, if there's any divisiveness, or any spirit within us that is bitter and angry, are there people that we're keeping away from us? Come, Holy Spirit. Forgive us and give us a spirit of restoration, a spirit of generosity, a spirit of humility that recognizes that I don't deserve forgiveness. How can I withhold it from somebody else? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. And then we thank you for just your working within us. Thank you for your kindness your love for us. I want you to know right now where you sitting as an individual, those that are with us online, the Lord loves you.
He is sharing this moment with you. He is kind to you. His arms are open wide to you and he's saying, come. Even if that is because you have something you have to deal with, that's his kindness that leads you to repentance. You can feel the warmth of his smile upon you as he says, come to me. Come near. He rejoices over you. There's nothing more valuable to him than you being part of his family. And he has made sure that nothing can keep you from his family. No sin, no shame can keep us from his family. He dealt with it. Every one of us has access to him and to his family. Thank you, Jesus. So on the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, to be betrayed, when he was in the upper room with his friends, his disciples, his followers, he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, this bread is my body that is broken for you. Thank you, Jesus. For being broken so that I don't have to be broken. But so that I can be made whole. I receive your wholeness in my life. And he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood. That is poured out for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. And it is by this blood that we know that we are part of his family because this blood is the covenant seal that has been poured out upon us. That we now carry his blood and it's his blood that marks us as his children. Because even though our sins could not ever be purified by our own effort or activity or anything that we could come and try and attempt to do, the Lord Jesus found a way to wash us. And we that were unclean have now been declared clean by the blood of Christ. I am clean. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like you to stand with me and I'm going to ask you to join me in making a declaration. A short declaration that you can just repeat this after me. If you're ready to have communion, if you have in the space where you know I can, I can have communion today. Then won't you repeat this after me. Christ gave his body and blood for me. He died for me. Lord, I speak your grace over every person in this room, those joining us online. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present with us. Thank you for your moving among us right now. That you come and that the effect and the benefits of this that we have received through the crucifixion of Christ, that you make that alive and abundant and overflowing in our lives. So that as we go onto our front lines, that we can be the salt and be the light because of what you have done for us in Jesus name
Amen. I'm going to ask that you move from your chairs if you can do that and go. I'm going to explain to you where to go now. You can have communion on your own if you want to. The elements are on the table or you can share it with somebody else, with your community group, family, friends, even a stranger, whoever you want to. Please avail yourself of the elements as you please. We're going to take a bit of time. You, there's no rush. You can go have communion. The team's going to be ministering in the background and we'll probably lead into a song and then we'll end the service. But please, whatever you do and however you do it, do us with the Lord by the Holy Spirit. So those of you that are in the front blocks of the church here on the main floor, the tables are in the front here and you can come and help yourself there. Those are towards the back. You'll see their tables at the back of the church. You can go there and help yourself. There will be volunteers and some of the pastors around at the tables that will help you. On the balcony, in the walkways of the balcony, there are um, uh, tables there for you to serve. The people on my right-hand side, you can go behind the screens there into the ministry area, and there's tables for you. The people on my left here in, in the zone behind those screens there, there's tables. So may the Lord bless you as you partake of the elements. May you experience just His grace and the moving of His Spirit in this moment. Please go and help yourself. When you're done, you can go back to your seats, and, or you can take the elements, go to your seats, however you want to do that. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've not made that decision to give your life to Jesus. If you have not had your conversion experience, then I want to give you that opportunity today to say Jesus died for you. Just because you may have not understood or have received the value of this and the meaning of this doesn't mean that it's any less for you. This sacrifice was for you. So I want to pray a prayer for those that may say, today I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to, I want to appropriate this to my life. I recognize that I need a Savior. If that's you, can I ask just where you are, just raise your hand. If you online with us, then you just can put on the, in the comment section, just say, that's me. Just raise your hand. If that's you, just raise your hand. Can we as a community all pray this, just short prayer together as we support people that wants to make this decision today. Can we say, dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. But thank you for the forgiveness you have purchased for me on the cross. Today I receive your forgiveness and I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give people a round of applause. Just anybody that prayed that prayer. We've, we've all prayed that prayer, haven't we? For all of us, there's a time in our lives where we said something to that nature. If you prayed that prayer this morning as I close the service, can I ask that you come to the front? 
Our team will be here, volunteers and some of the pastors, and they would want to just pray with you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, or if you've wandered away from the Lord and it's a recommitment, just tell the person you're praying for that I want to give my life to Jesus, or I want to return to Jesus, and they'll help you with that. You're also so welcome for any other prayer that anybody may need. If you need prayer for healing in your body, come and let us pray for you. If you need breakthrough in some area, come and let us pray with you. If you just need somebody to stand with you as you are trusting the Lord for something, come and let us pray with you. But please remember tonight we have our evening service. There's our community groups that run in the week. Great places where people connect with one another, pray together. And there's lots of activities as you've seen. Please be part of that and join us for all every, every place where you can. Remember the people that are interested, they will meet with Debbie in the foyer hall as you go out. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord strengthen you in this week and may His presence be with you as you go from here onto your front lines. Have a wonderful day. Bless you.